Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to a grand and glorious happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show here in the best little city in America. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm just, I'm all over the place today. I'm scattered. I'm this way. I'm that way. I'm like, I can't keep straight. I'm going to, what's up? What's down? Uber producer Dan Peters is over there in the booth. He's waving at me. Just, hey, pay attention. Get together. I gave you the index. Yes. I did give you the index. You so, did. You and did. it was, now, yeah, no other finger, just the index. <laughs> <laughs> that is Uber producer Dan Peters, and he is here to keep you up-to-dated, on, up-to-dated, uh, that's the second day in a row I've said up-to-dated, on the latest news and weather here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio at KSOO Information 1000, streamed live at KSO.com on the KSO mobile app that's available. And remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live or our Twitter account, at P. Lally Show. And I have a little, I have a special offer for people on our social medias today, Dan. I got a couple Skyforce tickets. You can go and uh, see the Skyforce play uh, Oklahoma City Blue and and uh, see Dan Peters sort of up there in the crow's nest doing the play-by-play for your Sioux Falls Sky followers. But if you want these tickets, row in Section K, Row 5, Seat 9, and 10, you just have to go on P. Lally Show Twitter feed and retweet what I tweeted about the tickets or go to Facebook Live and go into the comments on KSO.com and say, hey, I want those tickets, and I'll uh, we'll take sort of a random selection and give those tickets away. So, you know, free Skyforce tickets. What can be better than that? Yeah, even the Skyforce have already retweeted it, so they're they're well, they're on the board for this thing. Well, they they can't win the tickets though, but they can help get the message oh, out for true. people who would want to go to the game tonight. That's true, and I, you know, I, I would probably I'll probably make that selection pretty early on. So just to so because you got to get to make your make your plans and everything. So it'll be sometime in this first hour, sometime between three, three and four o'clock when I find a moment, we'll, uh, we'll say who wins the tickets. How's that sound? I think we can come to an agreement. Yes. Uh, it is in fact, February 2nd, which means Groundhog Day. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is, uh, you're just doing the weather and it's kind of cold, possibly a snow, but it's, you know, we're really been kind of lucky. There's not that much snow out there. Oh, you said groundhog. I was thinking I've already had my groundhog and some pork sausage today, but no, no, sorry, no. <laughs> Actually, we're going to talk about later. We'll probably uh, we got Thea Miller Ryan on, and I bet you we talk about whether we talked about uh, possum meat the other day. So groundhog meat's got to be better than that, right? Mm, you would hope, but I don't know if they're an acquired taste. You'd have to find them first, and then be desperate enough to cook them up. A little groundhog chislick, that sort of thing. I think that'd work. Eh. <laughs> Uh, but the Groundhog Day, you know, it's it, it's February, and when there's not a lot of snow, it can be cold. But if when there's no snow cover and you get a good day, all of a sudden it can be really warm. Like it can go from crappy to pretty dang good pretty fast. In fact, I remember a few years ago, probably several now, I played golf on Valentine's Day, you know. So maybe it's going to be that kind of year, you know. I That's what I'm hoping for anyway. Now, you, that's... It's pretty dicey even when it gets warm to play golf because nearly all the golf courses around here are closed in February, no matter how nice it is. Uh, but the community course over there in Lenox is open uh, uh, no matter what. And when I say open, I mean you can go out there and walk the course and play golf if you want. You just got to leave five bucks in the in the box at the first tee in the little slot there, which is just awesome. On your honor, your honor. On your honor golf, which I love and I always pay my five bucks. But it's not exactly open, open, you know, like, like there's no clubhouse or anything and you can't get a cart or anything like that. So you got to walk. But I remember this a few years ago. It was a nice day and I don't remember what year it was, but it was. So my friend Craig and I decided to drive out to Lenox just to see, you know, if we could, could get a good quick nine in. And and we did. It was a little windy, but it was sunny and the frost, but the frost wasn't out of the ground. The pond they have there still had some ice out, like an ice island out in the middle of it. But you could play. And at that time in my golfing life, that's all that mattered. I'd play in anything. Uh, just a chance to hit a golf ball after, you know, months of not being able to do that. Not in a mini dome somewhere, not in a simulator, which are fine, but outside off the real ground, you know, just to watch that ball arc 
down the fairway and bounce and roll and roll and roll and roll because you got to love that frozen ground. That's when you get the big drives, right? But uh, once you got to the green, things were a little more rugged. Um, putting, a little treacherous. Greens weren't in the finest condition, and most of the flags were actually frozen into the cup. So you'd be like trying to... <clears throat> Can't get them out. So, but it was mid February and we were outside having fun and playing golf. And, you know, those are the times you remember. You, you don't remember. It's like riding bikes. You always remember the days when it was really bad. You don't remember the be- just perfect, beautiful days. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. <laughs> it's in the hole. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's about it right there. Uh, so, hopefully, we can have a year like that and we can be out golfing pretty soon. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include friend of the show and Republican political consultant Tony Reese will be here to talk about the latest in state and national politics. I suspect we'll touch on the memo, the memo. The Buffalo Maiden will be here from the Black Hills Bureau for Weird Friends. Uh, They've got some bat thing going on out there. We're going to talk about Thea Miller-Ryan, as I mentioned earlier, outdoor campus. She'll be here for her regular appearance. She's bringing a biologist because we're going to talk about, what else, groundhogs. I don't even really know what a groundhog is. We'll get an update from our man on the ground up in Minneapolis for the Super Bowl, Jeff Turn of ESPN 99.1. We'll touch down with him. And I'll have a P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, man, I, I, you know, I, I can't avoid it. I don't like to focus on national things too much, but this memo thing, we're going to talk about the big memo that came out today. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000. KSOO. 3718 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Everybody wants to live. Now they want to live. And everybody wants to love. Like they want to love. And everybody wants to be closer to free. Oh man, I haven't wanted to be closer to free. As much as I have today in a long time, I'm going to get to that in just a second. Everybody needs a chance once in a while. Everybody wants to be closer to free. Oh yeah, the Bodines closer to free. Before I get started on today's P&L statement, which I'll do here very shortly, I want to remind you that you can win Skyforce tickets tonight's game against the Oklahoma City Blue by retweeting my tweet at P. Lally Show. Just go to P. Lally Show on Twitter and retweet the Skyforce entry there or get on Facebook Live right now, as so many of your friends and family are doing, and just say, hey, I want those tickets. Give me a shout out and we'll throw you into the, we'll throw you into the bunch and we'll pick somebody out. How's that sound? Uh, all right, let's get on with the piano. Let's get on with it, man. So, the memo, right? It's all about the memo today. The memo from the House Intelligence Committee about the whether or not the FBI somehow in, infringed upon the rights of Mr. Carter Page by getting a FISA warrant to monitor him to figure out whether he was in cahoots with the Russians and we've been hearing about that the entire time, all day, because it's been coming, and was it going to come out? Was the president going to let it? Of course he was going to let it come out. Of course he was. And he said as much at the uh, State of the Union address. Uh, and so this was no surprise at this point. But, you know, we've been waiting to hear just just what was in it, you know, and uh, Devin Nunez from California, who is the driver of this whole thing, um, has been trying to get this out for a while now. And so I'm watching this and, you know, like all of you, it's, it can be a little confusing. But one thing that comes to mind right away is what if both things are true? That there was some inappropriate or misuse of information by the FBI to get a FISA warrant because we don't know if that's true yet, but what if it is? And that Carter Page was in fact compromised by the Russians. What if they're both true? 
because even if you believe what the House Republicans are saying in this case, that essentially the FBI, Trump appointees, many of them, Republicans, many of them, were out to get Donald Trump. The fact of the matter is that Carter Page is a dicey character to begin with, and the Trump people can can distance themselves from him all they want and from Mr. Papadopoulos all they want, but these people were working with Trump officials, okay? So both things can be true. We don't know. There's some key questions for me here. Whether the officials in the FBI and the Justice Department actually overstepped their evidence to continue pursuing this investigation into Mr. Page and others, to surveil him, which they did. Whether the top officials in the FBI were actually fabricating evidence or stretching what they had to pursue Mr. Page in an overt effort to undermine the Trump campaign. Is there some reason to doubt the veracity of Mr. Steele's information? You'll remember uh, he is the uh, ex-MI6 guy, uh, British spy, Christopher Steele, who uh, was in the was being paid uh, with Democrat money eventually. It started as a Republican operation during the primaries to get to do oppo research on Donald Trump and then moved after Donald Trump was the de facto nominee, then the Democrats picked it up. That's true. Is there some reason to doubt the veracity of what he's saying about connections between Donald Trump and the Russians? No matter who's paying him. We work with bad people all the time in the intelligence industry. The quality of someone's character is not really a measure of their value as an intelligence source, but the veracity of a source is, as a source, can we believe him? Would this be a violation of Mr. Page's civil rights? Remember, he was, in fact, traveling to Moscow as a U.S. national. He had already done that. All right? You start doing that, you're going to get attention anyway. Because we've heard previously... And this continues to be uh, in the reporting that the intelligence community had other sources of information suggesting connections between these various admittedly low-level advisors like Papadopoulos and uh, Carter Page, but connected nonetheless. Is there other information in the classified documents that suggest there are other sources? We don't know. We don't know. The investigation is into the extent to which Russia meddled in the election. Taking Mr. Page out of it for a moment, what is the answer to that question? That is the real issue here. That has nothing to do with Donald Trump. There are still serious questions about Donald Trump Jr. and why he was in contact with Russian agents during the campaign. And the special prosecutor, Roger Mueller, Robert Mueller, is looking into that. In fact, that is a much bigger question than whether Carter Page was compromised by Russian intelligence. I don't care which element of the political structure of this country the truth favors, whether that's Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or James Comey. I don't care. Here's what I do know. I have no faith, none, that we are getting anything close to the truth from Representative Devin Nunez. He's the chair of the committee and the driving force behind this. First off, he hasn't even read the evidence, apparently. He left that to the aides. That's absurd. Read the evidence, man, so that if somebody asks you, you can at least say yes. Second, he was already reprimanded by his own committee for his previous skullduggery in consultation with the White House. He's not credible. Does that mean that we can believe what uh, Representative Schiff, the top Democrat on the House committee, says? No, not really. But we don't know because we can't read their memo and we can't see the underlying evidence. My suspicion is that we're going to learn a lot more about this going forward. I'm not making any judgments based on this memo. It's possible that there were abuses in the FBI. Yes, I want to know if that's true. I'm not saying that didn't happen. But for the Trumposphere to say this memo debunks the investigation or provides any insight into the extent of Russian meddling is in the very least obfuscation or at worst complete subversion of the American justice system. What I want is the truth. Right now, the future of our country seems to rest squarely in the lap of Robert Mueller III, the special prosecutor. Is he the last person in Washington that we can trust? 
That's what I'm afraid of. My fear is that we are in for a long, dark period in our country's history that will ultimately degrade the quality of our government, the honesty of our government, and the degree to which we are a free people operating under a constitution. If the president decides to fire the top tier of the FBI and the Justice Department in general, and ultimately Robert Mueller, it's a step toward autocracy and a step away from the ideals upon which we were founded. There's no denying that. And that frightens me more than anything. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me, email me, Patrick at KSF, KSOO.com. Patrick at KSO.com. Get on our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show and throw your comments in there. Follow us on the Facebook live feed at KSOO. Chat with us. I welcome all input from you good people, and we're going to be watching this as it goes along. You know, I as I said, I don't often like talking about all the national hubbub. Most of the stuff that affects us here isn't that. But I hear other commentators on the radio waves and on the television waves talking, and I have a lot of trouble separating some of these people from the talking points of the Trump administration, and I hear it over and over again, and the truth, which we do not know. Who do you trust? We're going to come right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, and we're going to talk to my good friend, the Buffalo Maiden from the Black Hills Bureau. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 336 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KS. Oh, oh. <laughs> and a little raucous music to bring in my good friend and uh, really my, my confidant, my, my, <laughs> you know, my person that holds me up, that backs me up on life's trials and tribulations, the Buffalo Maiden. Buffalo Maiden, thanks for joining us today. Oh my gosh, thank God you didn't call me your soulmate, because that would have been awful. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been a lot of pressure there, a lot of pressure. But I like the Irish tune, you know, because it is coming up, it is what, like six weeks away or eight weeks away, I guess? Yep, I've decided that I'm just gradually, slowly, I've been playing a lot of rich show music, as we went through Rich Show Week. Now I'm just going to yeah. start gradually morphing over to more uh, Irish songs. I think what you should do, though, because, you know, we have that lovely Hallmark holiday coming up in a, in a week or so. Mm. Um, you should be playing, like, really great love songs, like really fabulous old uh, love songs every time. Get people in the mood. Mm, I don't know. You know what I might play? Do you ever hear, uh, uh, do you know who Chet Baker was? Yeah, Remember? absolutely. The trumpeter? Yeah. And then he had yeah, that. Yeah. He'd be great. He's got the Chet Baker Sings record, and that's awesome. Yeah. Unfortunately, no. he died too young. But no. anyway. Dan's gone off the edge. He's playing Air Supply. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I was thinking more. I can't I remember the, when I, I used to drive across the state back and forth, there was mm-hmm. uh, country and western stations that I could listen to on my uh, radio. And one time the song was, All I Have Left Is Your Number in the Matchbook. Which I thought was a great song, and I still have, I don't know who sings it, maybe we should put it out there, but um, it was awesome. That sounds like the kind of thing actually Dan Peters would know about. That sounds like a classic country song that is filed away somewhere (laughs) in in the brain, the vast musical library that is the brain of Dan Peters. Oh, I got to search for it. Sorry. Oh, dang it. 
We'll have that for and you. And now, hey, and then next week, you know, you should come out here next Saturday because uh, Custer State Park is doing uh, snowshoeing, which we're supposed to get snow all week, which is awesome because uh, the snow has just been great this year. But um, snowshoeing on Lover's Leap. It's the Lover's Leap snowshoe event, which I think that would be perfect. Yeah, I think uh, jump off. Way to hike or push. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> there might be a few out there. <laughs> it could happen. So that's that's one big exciting thing happening out here in the hills. Hey, you probably and, haven't been listening every day because you're in Custer, and I understand that you're a very busy person. But the the rumor, the uh, uh, unsubstantiated rumor at this point is that, speaking of St. Patrick's Day, that the uh, the brass holes have a St. Patrick's Day gig. Really? Yeah. Now we, I, I was responsible for bringing you guys out uh, back into the public, yep. and I apologize for that. But um, <laughs> a lot, I have apologized. But yeah. it was, uh, it was, it was a tremendous. We used to have great parties at Wild Stage Girl. Did you see that? It was three years that we closed. I saw that you posted it. It was kind of sad for me. It was very sad. Mm-hmm. I don't know why three years. I guess, but what? But. Um, we had great St. Patrick's Day parties there. Yeah, you did. Uh, the the crabgrass. We used to open for the crabgrass crew. <laughs> so we were the perfect opening act because it couldn't get any worse. An act uh, we would take lightly, but um, <laughs> you, you were just there and you had instruments and no, it was you were great. I oh, think thanks. we even booked you one night just solely. Yep, we did. We did a we did a solo gig on the, out on out the on patio. The, uh, yeah, and the, there's no longer uh, that's allowed. But um, after that, but <laughs> anyways, it was great. It was really great. Yeah. What else is going on out there? I, you know, we, I, I, next Saturday might I could maybe make that next work. Saturday, February tenth, man. Uh, t- the, this Saturday, I mean, I can't believe you don't have a ticket, but it is beers and boots at the stock show. Oh, so yeah. no better way than to drink craft beer with a bunch of cowboys wearing <laughs> cowboy boots and tight jeans and putting on, you know, those high alcohol beers. Uh, that should be kind of an interesting yeah. event. I'm yeah. almost tempted to go. Well, tempted? <laughs> I thought you would go for sure. I know. I might have to. Well, I work, though, too. So um, we'll see. Yeah. What else is happening? You guys posted about the boroughs being uh, the six boroughs uh, survived uh, yep. and are in survival instincts. But there's a little rumor going around uh, on the street, uh, and you hate to spread this kind of rumor, yeah. but all six of them are uh, expecting. All six? How's so, that possible? I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I just, I just, it's kind of interesting. I don't know who the, that, uh, <laughs> I don't know like... what they put down. Two of them died, remember? So, yeah. Uh, and I don't know what their, how long their, what do you call that, gestation period yeah. is, but... Um, and what do you call a baby burrow? Burret. Bur- a burp. <laughs> a burp. Burp. Uh, I don't I think know. It's a Jenny. It's a, a Jenny, really? isn't it? Why would they call it a Jenny? I don't know. Are you sure? Is that is that just another rumor around the streets of Custer? There's some I Jenny. I know. You know, we like to we make things up because who's here really going to say differently? You know. That's true. But you know this happens we, though with 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 animal populations of all sorts when they come under pressure like that whether it's hunting or natural disaster or whatever they they're naturally up their reproduction. Ah. Yeah. Listen to you. You I listened know. in biology class. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, a, a male donkey is a jack and a female is a jenny. I don't know why. Ah. So what's ah. the offspring? Do they have a name for the the the, the little pups or whatever they're called. So no? the jennies, so the females are jennies and the babies are burret, burret. Or what jacks. Do you call it? Jacks. Jack, men are jacks. Yeah. It's a completely, yes, yes. it's okay. completely gender stereotyped. <laughs> it, it completely makes sense to me now. Yes. Yeah. That's mm, good. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll look oh, yeah, forward so to more burrows then. So they'll come out of the womb begging at cars. <laughs> they kind of do actually. So if you get out here uh, early May, mm-hmm. uh, middle May, they should be the babies should be roaming around. Oh, yes, that's sweet. See, yeah, that's a nice little uplifting note uh, from what was a fairly tragic fire. Well, and the other uplifting note about it is, you know, they're heavily logging the uh, the yeah. fire. Yeah, cleaning it out. We're making the state's making money off it. It actually, uh, you know, it's a win win for everybody, I guess, except for the animals that didn't survive. Um, 
it's uh, it's going to be a, a win-win. And with all the snow, the green, the the you know the wildflowers, everything is going to be just beautiful. Oh this, yeah, I like this it. Summer, so I'm coming. Yeah. I'm coming out. Okay, well, you know, whatever. Bu- Buffalo we Maiden. That before. Plug the restaurant. Uh, Sage Creek Grill, right on Main Street in Custer, South Dakota. Beautiful downtown Custer. Buffalo Maiden, thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we've got Thea Miller-Ryan and uh, a biologist. We're going to talk about groundhogs and whether you can eat them. Well, something like that. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Three forty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Be happy in the city at night. You can't see the stars from neon light. Sidewalks dirty and the river is worse. Underground trains all running. That's a little Jason Isbell. Last of my kind. It's just—it's got a nice uh, sort of feel to it to bring us into. It just talks about the stars and the skies, and we're going to talk about the outdoors with Thea Miller Ryan, executive director of the Outdoor Campus, and Brad Baumgartner. He is the regional wildlife manager for the Game, Fish, and Parks Department, which oversees the Outdoor Campus. All one big happy family, right, guys? Right. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, here's the deal. Yeah. All right, Brad. This is why you're here. Oh. Okay. Uh, it's Groundhog Day. Right? It is. Uh, what's a groundhog? I don't even know what this creature is, really. I mean, if you think about it, I got no idea. We Do we have these things? We we have groundhogs. Yep. In the simplest form, it's a great big gopher. <laughs> well, so, like, like, how big are we talking here? Oh, about four to ten pounds. Well, that's not that big. I see this thing they pick up in Pennsylvania, you know, like, see Groundhog Day, the movie. Yep. And it's a massive beast, oh, you know. Yeah. I'm thinking uh, we don't have those. Well, that one's well fed. <laughs> That's probably it. It's weaned from like steroids and you know putting all kinds of things into its system. So these creatures, they live here. Then where yeah. where would I see one? Oh, they're go to your closest farm place. Probably has one. They're actually quite common. Really? Oh yeah, Lake County. And you go into a farmyard, and usually there's there's probably at least one or more. In every farmyard up there. You're kidding me. Nope. I used to work in Lake County. You'd think yeah. I know these things. Yeah. So, uh, are they what? Are they troublesome? Uh, they, they can be. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're harmless for the most part. They sometimes get into people's gardens and they can kind of eat some of the vegetables and things. But probably the, the biggest thing they do with getting in trouble is they like to burrow under cement foundations sometimes. Mm. Yeah, and that that's not so good when it's under a machine shed and got a big john deere tractor in there okay. oh that's yeah. not good <laughs> we're listing um so i i think i see these things that i think are woodchucks is that basically the same thing it is yep. okay that's a groundhog yep see i've been living under some sort of strange you know preconceived notion about what the like that there was some exotic creature but then I, now i know what you're talking yep. about yep. long skunk creek over there you see them waddling around yep. all the time yep yeah, they're yeah all over the bike trails, aren't they? I, yeah, I see them. them in Upper Sherman Park all the time. Got it. It's that thing. Yep. yep. So that's what we're. This is what we based this whole myth on. It is one of those. It one is. of those. It's a giant gopher. <laughs> well, that's weird. <laughs> so here's the big question that we've been wondering all day, and this is what I asked Thea when she's on the show pretty much every time. What do they What's taste, it taste like? like? <laughs> oh, yeah, God. I knew that was coming. I don't know. I don't, I I've never tried one of you. Oh, nah, nah. No. Mm, no. No, it, that wouldn't be good. good meat. No, I, I've, I'll i try just about anything, but I don't think that's on my list. No. I had somebody on uh, the Facebook Live tell me earlier, uh, this is from Bob Melling. He says, Groundhog Day was started in Germany. At the end of the day, they would, in fact, eat the groundhog. Oh, wow. So there. Well, that, that's a twist on, on the myth. I got nothing. I, mean, <laughs> I know. Right. You kind of stumped us. I guess it'd be like grass-fed meat, though, because they are herbivores. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Wholesome. Yeah. It, yeah. it doesn't have all that uh, fat produced by corn-fed. Well, I suppose it could be corn-fed groundhogs, right? Sure. Well, well, they like soybeans. Yeah, they like soybeans, alfalfa, that sort of thing. They're, they're probably fattest, right? You know, right before hibernation, I suppose. So they they hibernate during the winter, I they suppose. Are, That's yeah, why they... They are true hibernators, yeah. That's kind of rare, too. An actual hibernator is pretty rare. So they, di- they dig down, mm-hmm. like, long creek beds and stuff, like anywhere? Just uh, open fields. Uh, 
but kind of fence lines under under rock piles, cement foundations, like I was mm-hmm. saying, certain types of trees. Sometimes they'll burrow down under those. So how big a hole are we talking about here? Oh, it, honestly, it'd probably look like about like a badger hole, but I, I've seen them anywhere from maybe four inches in diameter all the way up into 10, probably 10 inches in diameter. So one time I was snowshoeing uh-huh. over by Skunk Creek there, and I'm snowshoeing along. All of a sudden, my, I don't know, maybe I was skiing. I was walking anyway, and my foot, I went down into a hole up to my, you know, thigh. Jeez. Oh. That could have been a groundhog hole. That was next to the creek? Yeah. I could bet, have been a beaver. I bet, that was, I bet that was a beaver run. Speaking of beavers. Uh-oh. <laughs> so along uh, uh, Big Sioux River uh-huh. in the city here, over like along uh, 57th and Western, yeah, the beavers did some serious Tree damage, damage over there, there, didn't they? Yeah. So we don't see beavers that much, but they're here. Oh, they're everywhere. Everywhere. There's nowhere where there's not beavers. If you know what you're looking for, you can drive over just about every bridge and you'll see beaver sign. Isn't that wild that we do? I mean, you would think that even though they're kind of elusive, you would still see them every once in a while. Uh, yeah, they're 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 very nocturnal, and they're very I don't know they I mean even even if you were to flush one out of a out of a lodge in the daytime, they're they almost submerge up like an alligator. I mean they're pretty sneaky. Wow. And the other thing about them, you know, we always think about beavers as building dams and right. having the big pile. You don't ever see that in the city. So where are they living? Oh, well, in a bank hole. Yeah. So they just dig right into the side. Yeah, they burrow into the side, and, and and it's it's a lodge actually. I mean, that's what it's called, a beaver lodge. It it is a bank. It's got hole, a fireplace, and it, it's just not. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. cocktail yeah. hour, that sort <laughs> of thing. Yeah. yeah, it's toasty, and and actually, they're active all winter long. Believe it or not. So wow. Yeah. So they uh, when they're cutting down the trees there, yeah. what are they trying to do? They just want to eat that. They, they just want the, the bark. They eat bark and they eat the root systems. Yeah. You know? So and they want to bring down the tree and then chew all the bark off it. Yeah. Yeah. And then yep. And then they'll usually drop it into the water and then they start eating on it and then they take off all well, like smaller branches that they can carry away and then right before ice up they they form it weave it all into a pile in the water called a cash pile, which is no actually all, they're a rodent too, just like everything else. They have a cash pile. Yep. They it's cache good. their food. That's amazing. Yep. So then all winter long, it freezes in. They come out of the out of their lodge underwater. They nibble off a piece, bring it back up into their lodge, and eat it all winter long. They're active all winter long. Well, we have learned something here today on the Patrick Lally <laughs> Show from Bob, Bob Baumgartner, Brad Baumgartner. He is regional wildlife manager for the Game Fish and Parks. I was going to ask you about possums, too, but we're out of time. I saw one oh, running God. across. Those are my favorite. Let's I talk know. about oh. those next week. Yeah, next week we're going to yeah. do a whole thing on possums. Yeah. Grinners. That's what we call them. Grinners? Grinners? Yeah. That's a good Grinners. Name. This one scared me, but I'm not going to go into Possums are great. Uh, Thea Miller-Ryan, she's executive director of the Outdoor Campus, and Bram Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Baumgartner, it's a it's a tongue twister. Thank you. Just introduce yourself. That'll be great. Yeah, uh, thank you guys for coming in today. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we are going to visit with Jeff Turn, our man on the ground at the Super Bowl in Minneapolis. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. 358 on the Patrick Lally Show. Come up after the news and weather. We're going to talk with Jeff Turn up there in Minneapolis from ESPN 99.1. Stay with us. You have the right not to be killed. 4.07 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we are quite happy to have on the line, direct from Super Bowl Center up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the host of Overtime on ESPN 99.1, our sister station across the hall. It's Jeff Turn. Hey, Jeff. Hey, what's up, guys? How we doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, how are you holding up? How are you holding up? You've been there like, what, three weeks now? Something like yeah, that? Going on, yeah, going on about a month. Uh, I'm going to have to start paying that state income tax up here in Minnesota, so I'm not looking forward to that. But i got to be honest with you, man. This week, we've had uh, Stefan Diggs, the key figure in the Minneapolis Miracle. I've talked to uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, who's going to be the new Chiefs quarterback. We even had Hall of Famer Eric Dickerson on. 
but all of it pales in comparison to my first trip on the Patrick Lally show. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Welcome, <laughs> sir, and and bask Thank in you. the glory that is AM Talk Radio. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, you've been getting everybody. That I heard the Diggs interview. That was awesome. Uh, but I think the most important thing is, have you actually ridden the zip line yet? So here's the deal. I rode a zip line, not the zip line though. That was outside. Uh, we rode the zip line inside the mall of America. And I was actually on cancel this morning with Beth and Chad and Chad, uh, Beth says, you know, my daughter also did that when she was 12 years old. So I didn't <laughs> quite feel like I was as important as I was, but, um, Nick Goldman, our sports writer was supposed to go with me. Uh, he's terrified of heights. So he was trying to back out. Jerry P had no desire to get on the thing. And so uh, they sort of convinced me. I traded out. Goldman had to buy me a pedicure so that I wouldn't get on the zip line. That was the trade out that we did. <laughs> I wanted that to happen. I wanted video of you zip lining across. The, if people don't know, there was a zip line from this old grain tower on the St. Paul side over to the Minneapolis side across the river, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, you know, you know me, man. Um, I don't usually get out of my car if it's under 60 degrees. No. So. The fact that, that we were out there and it was going to be somewhere in the teens, somewhere below zero with the wind chill, it really just wasn't my scene. 65, 70 degrees inside the Mall of America, that's much more my style. Come on, man. Bold north. Bold north. You've got you to <laughs> buy in. It's really cold up there, too, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's been freezing, man. The great thing, obviously, that the game is inside. But for the fans up here, they've had a couple of things canceled, like with the uh, NFL Live stuff that they had on Nicolette Mall. They moved some of that inside. Uh, some of it obviously was, was covered up and they had heaters and stuff, but that's really been the only thing. There hasn't been much snow. There was a dusting in the middle of the week, but for the most part, they embraced it with the marketing, which I thought was smart. You know, you mentioned the Bold North. And in 1992, when they had the Super Bowl up here at the Metrodome, they really tried to make it like it was going to be something that it wasn't. And this year, they just embraced it. So, like you mentioned, the zip line, there's an ice castle, there's uh, all kinds of activities. And so they've really done a good job, I think, of embracing what they are, not trying to sugarcoat it and make it South Beach or New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And it's really worked out for them, man. The Minnesota people obviously are very nice. and They've been very hospitable to, to the fans. And at the end of the day, I think they did a great job by, by marketing it that way, really just stay true to who they are. Now, let's get to brass tacks here with Jeff Turn, host of Overtime on ESPN 99.1. These fans, Eagles, Patriots, these are – I mean, these are really, really awful people, right? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, <laughs> obviously, I've been to a lot of NFL stadiums, and yeah. through that process, uh, I've seen a lot of idiots. All right, So there's idiots in every stadium. Yep. What happened in Philadelphia during the NFC Championship game was a bit different because I think that they were, first of all, antagonized to do stuff because of the coverage the week before from you know Minneapolis mm -hmm. or wherever. And then once they, they got there, it's like telling the bully that he's a bully and that he, you know he, you're going to come show up the bully, and then the bully decides to act more like an idiot. So that happened, obviously, during uh, the game at the NFC Championship game. But then you fast forward to, uh, to the week here in Minnesota, and where Eagles fans have gone, Eagles fans have been welcomed with a lot of boos. But the difference between Minnesota fans and Eagles fans, when they start booing them, um, you know, they're, they're booing them sort of in jest. They're not trying to start a fight. Yeah. Well, if you're an Eagles fan, you're always trying to look for a fight. In fact, today, uh, we had to run out to our cars uh, during the day out at the Mall of America because that's where Radio Row is. As we're walking out, there's like four nunchucks that are sitting there talking to some other people from Minnesota, like yelling back at them, um, you know, come over here and say that like they literally wanted to fight. <laughs> and, dude, there are guys with like, um, you know, AK-47s and snipers out there, police, and oh. these idiots like wanted to fight people, and then it realized they might get pistol whipped. So, like, <laughs> it's just the moronic nature of the Eagles fans. I will say this, nothing from Patriots fans. I've seen, I've seen none of that. Obviously, yeah. they can be a bit arrogant at times. And they can be a bit abrasive. But I think when you're talking about physical artification, it usually is the Eagles fans way over the New England fans. And Minnesota fans, let's be honest, they could have started fights, many of them, and they've been really cool about it. Some, some of it's been sarcastic, but at the end of the day, I haven't seen many Minnesota fans trying to uh, even the score. We'll say. Yeah, well, you know, as you said, people are idiots everywhere, and I've certainly been to plenty of Minnesota sporting events with idiots at it. So sure, we're, sure. we are not immune from those things. But for whatever reason, Philadelphia people, they've created this myth, and now they feel like they all got to live up to it. And I think that's the worst thing about it. Yeah, know? I talked to some media members in and around Philadelphia, and, and they said, like, when they won uh, the World Series with the Phillies, uh, you know, they thought that there might be some destruction in and around the town. And there really wasn't a lot. Um, you know, they said there was just, you know, some normal stuff. But they truly believe part of that city might burn down. And that's the funny thing, like, 
why in the hell would you celebrate by burning your own city down? <laughs> That's how smart some of those fans are going to be if they if they're able to pull off the uh, the upset over New England. Yeah, and I, you know what? I love Philadelphia. It is a great, great city, and so great is Boston. City. Yeah, right. Just some stupid football fans is yeah. what kind of ruins it. Yep. Hey, uh, uh, okay. Before I let you go, I got to know what assess this for me because uh, I'm I'm having trouble. Like, I, I actually want Philadelphia to win because they've never won, and I. I just don't want New England to win another game. But New England's going to win, right? So I've been waffling on it all week. I think the better overall team is Philadelphia. But I've just been saying this, and it's sort of cliche. In fact, it is cliche, and it's really a lazy way to look at the game. But I have no problem being lazy at times. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go with New England 23-20. to I wouldn't be surprised if Philadelphia won. I don't think that it's going to get out of hand to where New England covers the spread at like 4.5 or whatever it is in Vegas. But I do believe Tom Brady is a different dude. Belichick's a different dude. And for whatever reason, if you're down 28-3, to they come back and win. If they're up 17-10, to they usually hold them off. So I'm going to go with Brady. I'm going to go with Belichick. I'm going to go with the Patriots. I wouldn't be disappointed if the Eagles won. That's the good thing about this Super Bowl. For me, at least, I don't have a rooting interest, although I do kind of like Brady. Mm-hmm. So I, I, will, I will go with New England 23-20. to and, and it could... Here's the thing. When I say when I say New England twenty three to twenty, get ready for a forty eight to ten win from Philadelphia. I'm the kiss of death. Okay, I'm the kiss of death. But you know, it's, it's it would be hard to take. It would be hard to take uh, to bet against Philly with those points. You know what I mean? I if mean, you were, right? If you're you a betting four and a half, five points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people are doing. I will tell you this: the two profits that a lot of handicappers were telling us about this week. Yeah. Number one, you want to take the under. As far as how many times they're going to talk about Tom Brady's age, I think it's going to happen a couple of times. I think it was like five, five and a half times. And the other one they said was, will Al Michaels mention the name Rocky during the broadcast? <laughs> you can actually get plus 180 on that in Las Vegas. So for $100, you'll win 180 back. All he has to do is mention Rocky. I think they cover that before we get to the end of the first quarter. Oh, That's easy money for you, Lally. Well, Michaels the... can see that. He could do a prop himself and lay down some money and get him. some. Yeah. Exactly. Get some, man. You might as well make a little extra for Al Michaels. It's not enough that you're making about $10 million a year. You know, you might as well make a little more. What if he starts saying Sylvester Stallone over and over just to <laughs> mock everybody? How about that? <laughs> that would be epic, man. That would be great. I love it. Jeff Turn, he's the host of Overtime on ESPN 99.1, our sister station across the hall. Jeff, have a good weekend, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Absolutely. Look forward to annoying you some more next week, man. Perfect. This is the Patrick Lally Show. We're going to have Tony Reese, Republican political consultant and a friend of the show, on just after these commercials and the Wall Street Report. Information 1000 KSOO. Four twenty on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand K S O O. And we bring in Tony Reese. Republican political consultant. Is that what we call you? That's what I've been calling you. Well, that's, uh, that's it, okay to call me. It's kind of a generic it's term. It's a generic term. I'm consultant. A consultant. Um, I'm also a uh, sweater connoisseur. Sweater connoisseur is a good. candy, cotton aficionado. Oh, I forgot the cotton candy thing. Um, and uh, all around South Dakota. Yeah, all around South Dakota. There you go. That's probably the best thing. I just We were just listening to a little bit of a rich show getting it on with Trudy in the background, so... I got to send you some good Kesha next time. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) She's got a great album. It's a little, uh, put in a little Southern rock with a lot of soul. Her newest album, um, I think it's called Rainbow, um, is fantastic. It's moved in. She's evolved on from her club music days, but it's fantastic. Well, you'll have to send me some links. I will. I'll take care of you on that. Thank you. I mean, a man who's a, who's a friend of the Patrick Lally show should have his, have his own music. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, Matt Staub. Who was on yesterday, this week, Wednesday? He's a he's a Jason Isbell guy, and we share that. Uh, some other people I've had on, you know, like uh, Jonathan Ellis from the Argus Leader, he gets Led Zeppelin. So, you sir shall have your own music. Well, I will. I will note that, and every listener out there who knows my Twitter, uh, remind me to email <laughs> Patrick my my preferred playlist. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so let's get to it. 
uh, I like having you on the show because you've got a, a nice, reasoned, informed perspective from a. Well, you're, you're, could you sir, consider yourself a straight up conservative or a right of center Republican? How do you how do you characterize yourself, sir? I that's a very good question. I would consider myself conservative, um, but certainly fall into sort of the chamber of commerce mm-hmm. wing of the Republican party more so than the, than the far, got it, the far right. Yeah. And that's tough because you can be very fiscally conservative and even socially conservative without being, I, I, I can't even think of the right word. I'm not trying to, uh, I'm trying to think of something that's not pejorative, but that kind of conservative that, Oh, I'm trying to think of somebody. To I'm use. a happy conservative. Happy. There you go. A happy <laughs> if, if conservative. That works. Yes. I, I think that's getting to the, getting to your point. <laughs> I, I like that. A guy that you, a conservative that will, uh, you know, sit around and have a cocktail with. Yeah, absolutely. Now we're talking. There we go. That's why you're on the show. <laughs> but let's get to the news of the day uh, quickly. And I'm sure we won't be able to get it all done in this first segment. The memo. What is your, uh, after all the buildup, it's released. What's your initial impression? Initial impression of the memo, um, the Nunes memo, the uh, House Intelligence memo, is that if the information in the memo is accurate, mm-hmm. and I do sometimes look at things with a with a grain of salt, and you have to when it's coming out of the Congress because it's politicized to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but if what's in the memo is true, um, then I think that there are some serious serious um, problems. And if what's in the memo is true. Um, I think that it really puts a hole into the uh, Robert Mueller investigation into uh, Russian collusion. Um, if that's even a crime, I would say it would be more like association, which would be a First Amendment protected right. But if what's in there is true, and especially the fact that that um, what Congressman Nunes uh, and the majority puts in their memo, that they would not have gone after a FISA warrant to spy on American Carter Page if it weren't for the um, Steele dossier, which I sometimes, when I hear people say it, I say dossier more like that's a lie. Um, because it is a, a piece of political opposition research that is not corroborated uh, by anyone. In, and if, if, what, if what's in the memo is true, that the uh, FBI left that off, that where the source of it was, was coming from the DNC and the Clinton campaign through Fusion GPS. It was if, originally, and I don't mean this to, to refute what you're saying, it was originally created, started by Trump opponents in the Republican Party during it, the primary no, system, that, right? No, that part is not true fully. What I read it that, over and over again. What, but you're, you're missing a, a key point in there, is that Fusion GPS was retained by people looking to do opposition research on Trump during the Republican primary. Mm-hmm. I believe it was the owner of the Washington Examiner, Washington Free Beacon, one right. of those, uh, conservative papers. But there is nothing that is saying that the Steele dossier or the, that piece of mm-hmm. political opposition research that is uncorroborated um, and unverified is part of that original opposition research that was done by... Uh, Republican opponents of the president mm-hmm. during the primary. So I think you need to separate that and you can't connect those two verifiably. The only link, you're all. saying the only link. The only is link fusion. is that it's, is that they use the same opposition research firm. Well, that's a, that's a substantial well, we, link. Well, we, we don't know. We don't know if when uh, fusion was doing it for the Republicans, if they're using Christopher Steele and if he's mm-hmm. the main author um, or compiler of this information. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've never read anything that says, oh yeah, Christopher Steele is a linchpin to this between the Republican funders and the Democrat funders of it. But what we do know is in the memo, and what the memo alleges, is that they would not have gone and gotten a FISA warrant to spy on American Carter Page if it weren't for the Steele dossier, which, again, is just political opposition research. And that, that information apparently was not disclosed to the courts. The, well, we don't the know. The we don't know that. We, and that's the problem with the memo, which is what we're going to talk about when we come back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters and continue our conversation with Republican political consultant and sweater connoisseur Tony Reese. We'll be right back on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 
Boys in the Band from Rich Show brings us back to Tony Reese, Republican political consultant and sweater connoisseur and cotton candy uh, uh, aficionado. There we go. That's now we finally <laughs> got the 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 flow going there. That's a that's good. Um, so we were talking about the big memo and your thoughts on what it could mean if some of these things are true about the FBI. And I would agree with you. If, if the FISA warrant that allowed them to surveil Mr. Page, an American citizen traveling to Moscow, was the entire backbone for the warrant, okay? If the, the, the Steele memo and the, the, the opposition research funded by the Hillary Clinton campaign, the DNC, if that's true, that's bad. That's very bad. Even if it's even if it's a small portion of the backbone. No, no. I would say this: if it's if it's if it's part of the backbone and it's disclosed where it came from, that's a different issue. Right. That is a different issue. But according to the Nunes memo, it was not disclosed to the courts. Can you believe where it came from? Can you believe? Now I want you to think about this. Can you believe that the staff of the Justice Department, who has been surveilling various Americans for quite a while now under the Bush administration and the Obama administration since 9-11, we've changed our tactics that they don't know that that would be a bad thing. Do you honestly believe that? And I mean that sincerely. That's a difficult question to answer um, because there's, there's so much about this that we, that we don't yet know. Um, but I, I would, it, it, it could come back to, you know, the motives and what's in, you know, the people said, I would, I would hope that, uh, those individuals who are making that application, um, you would disclose where the information is coming from. Mm -hmm. I, I would certainly hope that it would, but, you know, as we have found out, I actually have known this for quite a while that, um, uh, Mr. McCabe's wife had received upwards of six hundred thousand dollars for a state legislative race mm -hmm. um from Democrats terry McAuliffe. like terry yep. mcauliffe who was deeply connected to the clintons yep. um and there's um and he then, himself is a republican and voted in the republican primary who's who it mccabe yeah and that's that's fine i'm just but, pointing that no, out He's, no that's he fine. in this, fact is not a democrat Okay, that doesn't matter to me. Okay. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, I mean, it, when it comes to money, nothing matters. Right. And, uh, and there was another, um, I, I read today um, from within the memo, a Justice Department attorney or another high-ranking official at the FBI whose wife also worked for Fusion GPS. But she wasn't privy to classified time. information. Right, but she would have been privy to some of this information. It, it, she was, she wasn't but, working on that. But what, what, what I'm, what I'm getting at is, you know, and I don't like to spin conspiracy theories, but there's a lot of interconnectedness here that, um, you know, is, is intriguing to say the very least. Which brings me to my point. Maybe. Do you think, or my question, do you think that Devin Nunez should have done this? Yes. Do you think that he did it the right way? Yes. Without having all the information. I think he's got all the information. This is a, a, a top-level stuff, and this is appropriate, I believe, to release to the, uh, to the American public. I would also support uh, the way uh, Speaker Ryan does is the minority report. That's um, my as, next question. As, as well, you, if, yes. if, it, if it's vetted the same way and things that are of significant national security. When you security, say vetted. I'm getting to it. <laughs> things vetted for things that are of significant national security. I'm okay with some of that being redacted. Mm -hmm. And if it goes through the exact same process, um, I would support that memo coming out as well. This was because not a particularly because I, extensive process here. No, it wasn't a particularly extensive process. And I would, I would imagine that the uh, minority report doesn't have any you know, deeper secrets in it than, than the majority report does on this. And I would support that coming out um, as well. You know, the Washington Post, I've got it right in front of me, says democracy dies in darkness. Mm -hmm. We should all be in favor yes. of greater transparency and releasing that information. So, so the American people have got um, the ability to, to read through both sides, since it is a majority and minority report. Through their, it's not through, both sides. It's the truth no, or uh, not the truth. Well, 
it's both sides of their interpretation of the facts that were presented to them. So we can look at it through both prisms and make a determination for ourselves without us knowing fully that we've got all of the information. I mean, I you know, would, would hope that more of this information um, would come out because I think that it is, you know, it's, we haven't really... We don't know. You can't make any decisions or judgments based on the Nunez memo. You just can't. The man has no credibility at this point because he was on the Trump transition team and he was up there skull dugging around with the White House before on this. Got reprimanded by his own committee. Oh, I think I he's he's got credibility, Patrick. He's I don't got, know, man. He's he's got he's, credibility, but but I mean to to say he that, didn't even I mean, read it. He didn't even read it. You didn't read it. Where I, and I wouldn't you I, have read it? I I haven't. Yeah, I would have. I would have read it. And I would have had staff read it too, and I would have had my own counsel read it and tell me what it what it means. Uh, because as far as I know, I don't believe that uh, Congressman Nunes is a, you know, is an attorney with experience in, in surveillance. Um, and that's neither here nor there. That doesn't mean he doesn't understand it. But you know, there I mean there are some nuances probably, um, and these things are written a lot in legalese. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, some things would would need interpretation. I haven't seen anything on. Um, if he read all of the intelligence or not, or where he he got it all, so I can't comment um, on that. But what I what I can comment on is that you know I think that they did the right thing. They released it because it's of great public interest, and I would support releasing the minority report as well, as long as it goes through the exact same process. What about the FBI? They apparently are going to issue a statement. I you know, let, let the FBI uh, issue a statement. Um, I think that the that there's a half of the country who's not going to probably believe exactly what the FBI says. They don't they, believe what the FBI says. No. Do you always believe what the FBI says? I tend to believe what the FBI says. I, I, me, I still trust the FBI. Do you not trust the Federal Bureau of Investigations? I am a skeptic at all levels of government and of all agencies of government. Uh, first and foremost, I'm skeptical of the information that they, that they may have until I'm Who able do to, you believe, Tony? Who do I believe? Who do you believe? In this whole Russian what? collusion situation, who do I believe? Who do you believe? I believe that, I believe the Constitution, that collusion, number one, is not a crime. Um, another word for it no. would be association. And so... It's not a crime. So, so, so the, the question would be is why, why is, what is a special prosecutor or counselor doing trying to figure out Russian collusion? Or don't you want to know if Russian the Russians, meddling? it's not a crime, but don't you want to know? We know that they have. We know that every country has. You know who else meddled in the election? Israel. Israel. The Pope meddled in the election. Great Britain. Don't you want to know election. these things? And don't you want to know we, the facts? But, but we, it's we, Russia, we, man. It's Russia. We know them. And we know the facts. And well, it, apparently they're in dispute because the president doesn't, still doesn't believe it. You know, it, uh, the funniest thing uh, through all this entire process, the funniest thing that I have always go back to is in just four or five years ago when Mitt Romney and President Obama were on stage and Romney referred to Russia as the greatest geopolitical foe. Mm-hmm. And Obama's response was, hey, Mitt, the 80s called. They want their foreign policy back. And at the time, it was interesting. You know, the Republicans, you know, saw what was happening near, you know, Crimea and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, they are kind of a, a geopolitical foe and they can't always be trusted. And I'm not saying that, you know, we always trust them. But, uh, you know, the Democrats just kind of threw it. But now, suddenly, they lose an election. And now it's suddenly Russia, Russia, Russia. I, the, the, no, the, I would say the, the entire time. And what I don't want to go down a road is blaming um, an entire continent of people, an entire government of things that we don't we that we don't know if they did. We can suspect that they did things, but I don't want to go back to an era in the nineteen, you know, forties and fifties and sixties no. of McCarthyism. I want to know the facts. Yeah, you know, I want to know the facts too. And and. You know, so far, the only thing that's been released is a memo based upon the review of information from the House Intelligence Committee that was signed off and voted on by by Republicans, by the majority, by the majority of the committee. Right. Right. Okay, a majority of the committee voted for it. Um, I think that, that, um, you know, always throwing um, a party label on there is 
sort of a subversive attempt to discredit the memo. And I'm not saying that the memo is credible or not credible. I don't know that. I don't either. Uh, but I think that I was just saying, oh, it's the Republican memo is sort of a way for, for folks to try to try to discredit it when taking a look at the, the current political situation, everything is a party line vote now. And so it, it wouldn't <laughs> it wouldn't matter if the if the memo said that Russia that that, that the president did collude with the Russians and you know it was a setup the entire time um, and Nunes wanted to release it the Democrats would still say no because that's just that's just the world we're living in right now. We're going to come right back and talk more with Republican political consultant Tony Reese, which is apparently not a good label. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 449 on the Patrick Lally Show. Coming up on the end of the show on a Friday afternoon with Tony Reese, political consultant. And since it's Friday afternoon at 4-something, we play Happy Hour by the House Marks. Because it's almost happy hour, Tony. It is almost happy. We're almost there, baby. I can see it from here. Uh, we've been talking a lot about national stuff, and I want to leave that behind because, you know, I, I always say I don't want to talk that much about national stuff. I want to talk about local, and then I end up talking about all this national stuff. So I don't want to do that anymore. So well, there are 50 other states that can talk about national stuff. That, Let's that, get into South Dakota stuff. There's That's plenty of sources stuff. out there. And in our time left, I want to talk about the two Republican primaries, okay? The governors. So you got uh, uh, Christy Noem, Marty Jackley, and they're both raising gobs of money. Um, uh, don't forget, uh, don't forget Laura Hubble. I know she's advertising out there someplace, so she is running for governor as well. But the two I, front runners, of it's course, my right show. Now. I get to talk about whoever <laughs> I want. Yes, Laura Hubble is running. In all fairness, um, um, so those are the two front runners. Uh, clearly, and I've had Marty on the program. He, he's he's trying to paint Christy Noem as taking all kinds of outstay money. Is that going to play? It might play. Um, it might not play. It's uh, I've, I haven't dived deep into their uh, finance reports. I don't think that in the in the end. I just I don't think people really care that much um, in the end. And to sometimes to run a, a formidable campaign in South Dakota, sometimes you've got to go to um, the South Dakota expats who are living in other states. Well, she had a lot of money from her. She transferred her money over. She did it the smart way. So she had congressional money, and that just tends to attract more out-of-state money. Right, yeah, so, as it is. Yeah. Yeah, as it is. It's, um, I, don't think, I don't think that's going to end up you know, playing so all that much on the minds of Republican primary voters at all. Okay, so it's just going to come down to a straight-up smackdown. I think so, yeah. What, it, what's the, what do you think the key issue is for Republican voters in that primary? I mean, really, what do you think the discerning Republican voter is looking at? between those two, both good candidates. They're both really good candidates. Um, I think the uh, discerning issue for Republican voters in that, in that particular race is going to be um, cleaning up here from some of the uh, scandals that we've had in mm. the past couple of years at the gear up um, and EB-5 stuff. Um, Drain the swamp! Well, I, I think to a degree that it will yeah. be some of that and, um, you know, and whoever can, you know, come through with the the best ideas to bring South Dakota to the next level I think too um, are is what's really going to to play for South Dakota voters that's interesting so uh, let's switch gears quickly to the house race so you got Chantel Krebs Secretary of State you got Dusty Johnson former PUC former chief of staff to the governor you got uh, uh, Neil Tapio current uh, state legislator who is the, the big issue in this campaign is coming down to uh, uh, religious tolerance at some degree, it's, driven primarily by Neil Tappy. I, I don't disagree with you on that. I think uh, that that's a losing issue for, for Neil Tapio. He might attract some votes, unfortunately, on that issue. Um, but he did say some things that were, um, I thought, very troubling sounding to me. Um, when he went to that interfaith day and he said something about, uh, you know, if you can't, leave a religion is there really freedom of a religion and i thought to myself you know what there's nothing in the united states law or constitution that says once you join a religion you can't leave it right so he i mean he's he's trying to take his interpretation of what might be happening in another country and trying to apply it to to all american mm -hmm. muslims and that's just that's not right that's not wise that's not intelligent we've 
we've we've been through situations where you know people have tried to put down religious litmus tests for uh, for candidates in the past. I think of you know Catholics running for president mm-hmm. until Kennedy. We haven't had many Catholics run for president no. um, until Kennedy. You know, people were afraid that oh, he's just going to kowtow to uh, to the Pope. He's a papist. Um, but I just I don't like that whole lumping all members of a certain religion all all together and, and taking what may be happening in another country, no matter how um, deplorable those actions may be, and trying to apply that to people who share the same faith in this country. That's just not right. Do you think ultimately that uh, the issues that are being discussed concerning Islam are actually going to be uh, vote swayers one way or the other? I don't want to say a deciding thing because there's more to it than that, but do you think that there actually are people out there voting based on that? I think that there are a very, very, very small amount of people who may vote on that issue. I think in the House race in particular, what is actually, I think, is going to be interesting is um, between Dusty and and, uh, and Chantel, uh, the Secretary of State, is who is going to um, try to align themselves closer to the president's agenda. Yeah. Um, immediately after the State of the Union, uh, Dusty Johnson said, oh, President Trump needs me in Washington to get his agenda through. Yeah. Tony Reese, he's a political consultant, and uh, he's going to be back here real soon. So, Tony, thanks for coming in today. Thank you. Coming up next, we're going to finish up and move on into the weekend. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. (laughs) 458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And that's Radio Clash on a Friday. Means we're done for the week. It's been a great week, everybody. Thanks for being here. On Monday, we've got Jody Schwan coming in. She's founder of SiouxFalls.Business. The Boon Man's in for Weird Friends. And we're going to kick off the Blogger Showcase. Corey Heidelberger of Dakota Free Press will be with us. That's all on Monday on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Have a great weekend, everybody.